Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. Help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Start off and, and just do this. Would you guys pity me a little bit? Yeah, pity me. Because how, yeah, how would you like to teach on relationships in a room this diverse? Have you thought about that? We, we've got young adults in this room. We've got singles in this room. We got, we got people who have been married for 10 years, 15 years, 50 years in this room. We got people who have been divorced, who have been remarried, who never want to be married again. You know, we've we got all sorts of different ages and stages of life. And I know I look young, but I've been doing this for a little bit. And it, and it seems like, in my experience, whenever you bring up the idea of a relationship series, people can put their guards up. Think, wait, you're going to talk to me about being single? You can talk to me about being married for 50 years. And in fact, uh, I'm pretty pumped about this. Uh, Amelie and I are actually coming up this winter. Amelie and I are going to be celebrating our 18-year anniversary. So, yeah. I know. Some of you clap for that. and like, 18 years, that's awesome. But there's others in this room. Like, 18 years? That ain't nothing. <laughs> married longer than you've been alive, boy. Skinny jeans up in here trying to tell me how to be married. Hmm. This whippersnapper. I've heard it. I know. And I think we can all put our guards up because we think uh, it's real easy for us to all all have opinions about people that are in different stages in our life. And have you noticed how easy it is to have an opinion about a single adult when you're married? Or how easy it is uh, to have an opinion about how you'd be married if you're single. Or how you'd live that stage if you were in your 20s or you're in your 50s or in your 70s. So I think a lot of times we put the guard up because we think, is this just going to be someone else's opinion about a different season of life? But uh, the good news about this series is we're not going to be talking about anyone's opinions What we're going to do from the very beginning of this is we're going to dive right into Jesus' teachings and what he tells us about all of our relationships. So we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 31. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus' teaching. Now, if I were to ask you to raise your hand if you're in a relationship and you weren't to put your hand up, then I would know you, you have misunderstood the very nature of what we're trying to communicate in this series. Because every one of us are in a relationship. It might be a marriage relationship. It, it might be a, a, a parent-sibling, a parent-child relationship, a sibling relationship, a co-worker relationship, a friendship relationship. But we all have relationships. And if we're going to be honest, okay, if we're going to be honest, we, we have got to work on our relationship with God first and, our, and ourselves second before we're ever going to get things right with other people. So this series is for you. Today is for you. This next couple of weeks is for you, no matter what age and stage you're in. In fact, elbow the person next to you and say, pay attention. This is for you today. This is for you today. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching. It's a very famous passage. Many of you know this is the Sermon on the Mount. 
And it's interesting because this season and this stage of life that I'm in right now, I, I more recognize this as being a teaching that's all about relationships. Because there's so much to do with, uh, with protection and, and provision in this. You'll, you'll see what I mean. Let's look what Jesus has to say here. He's teaching, he says this. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans. He's just saying, people who don't even know God run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Do you know God knows what you need? God knows what you, say that with me. Say, God knows what I need. Say it right now. God knows what I need. Man, that's a good thing to remind yourself of. Anytime you feel like you don't have enough, or anytime you're, you find yourself in a comparison game and, and you don't have what someone else has, it's good to always remind ourselves that, that God knows what I need. And sometimes we don't receive his provisions because we don't have our priorities right. So, what we interpret as a lack of God's provision is actually a lack of our priorities. That's what Jesus says here in the next verse, verse 33. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. So God, God's saying, see, when you align your heart with my heart, when you align your plans with my purposes, then I'm going to give you everything else. I'm going to give you the peace that millionaires can't buy. I'm going to give you the joy that you've been trying to find in the bottle or trying to find on the internet. I can give you what you've been searching for, but see, you can't just go after those things. First, you have to line up your priorities with me. Verse 34, Jesus goes on and says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that finishes chapter 6, but we're going to go right into chapter 7 because it continues on. It's the exact same teaching, same thought. Now, now the verse that everyone who smokes weed likes to quote. Do not judge. I just woke him up in the back. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother or your wife or, or your husband or your friend, let, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Someone needs to hear this right now. You're selling yourself short. You're compromising on standards. God's saying, listen, do not throw your pearls to the pigs. Maybe the most spiritual thing you can do right now is pull your phone out and text him, I want my pearls back. You don't even have to give him a chapter and verse. Don't even let him know what it is, but you know what you mean. If you do, they might trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. I'm going to finish with verse 7 today. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Today, I, I want to start this series off calling this first me message, Fixing Your Focus. Uh, 
in the eight, coming up on 18 years, Omni and I have been married, we've listened to quite a few pastors who have spoke on uh, the areas of relationships and how we communicate with one another. And I heard a message uh, from one pastor that so deeply affected me, I wanted to share it with you today. I, it's called fixing your focus. And it's so important that we fix our focus because there's a lot of things in life that we can't control. I can't control if he's going to be in a good mood today. I can't control if she's going to stick around. I can't control how they're going to react to me today. But what I can control is what I focus on. So would you pray with me before we dive into this together? God, I recognize right now that you want to speak to every person in this room. Your love for each person in here is so deep and so great. And I pray that right now I wouldn't get in the way. But you would use me uh, as a voice box, as a, as, a, as a mouthpiece to just be able to share what your word and your truth is with your people. So uh, be with us now, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. See, a lot of us go through our lives focusing on what um, we can't control. And we get so frustrated because I can't control how my boss is going to act today. I can't control if my employees are going to show up. I can't control if my kids are going to get in trouble at school or if my wife is going to be responsive to me today. I can't control those things. But what I can control is what I focus on. I got to fix my focus. I got to I got to fix what I'm focusing on. See, if you learn how to, and if you if you commit yourself to it, you can always control what you're focusing on when it comes to your relationships. You can always control how you view your relationships and, and, and what you're looking at, what, what what you're bringing to the forefront. And see, there's this idea here that when it comes to relationships, a lot of times we, we start off where there's a lot of passion in relationships, and it can start to feel like that passion fades over time and and really it's not that love is gone or love has faded away what happened is we just lost our focus I I lost what I was focusing on see Jesus in this passage that we were looking at he bookends it with this idea he's seen seek first the kingdom of God and then in the end he says seek and you will find bookended there's this idea of, of of calling us back to focus what are you seeking? What, what are you focused on? What are you trying to find right now? Because we need to come back to a proper place of focus. See, in our culture, the idea of focus when it comes to relationships is a little bit broken. And, and by a little bit broken, what I mean is it's, it, it, it's misplaced, it's misleading. Because the idea of focus when it comes to relationships uh, put on by our culture is the idea of falling in love as opposed to staying in love. And in fact, by every romantic comedy you'll ever see, the exciting part that, that, is, that is pushed in front of us is the idea of falling in love, finding someone, falling for someone. And, and that's actually, I've heard it said, do you, you understand why all fairy tales end with a wedding? Because no one wants to know what happens after that, right? So it's just put in our face over and over again that the exciting part of a relationship is finding someone, is falling for someone. But the truth is, we see in our relationship with God, we see in a relationship that grows and that trusts him, a good relationship, the exciting part is the staying part. 
So what I want to do today is I, I just want to take a couple moments and I want to give you four decisions of focus in your life. I want to talk about four different areas that in every relationship in your life, whether it's a, a marriage relationship or not, we choose to focus on one area or the other. And these different four areas, we have to make a choice if we want to be successful in these areas. So I want to go ahead and just dive right into them. The first decision of focus that we have to choose in life is your focus on finding or becoming? Are you focused on finding or are you focused on becoming? Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. But see, if I seek all the other things first, then I'm not going to have a center of gravity for these things to revolve around. He's saying, you got, you got to seek first the kingdom of God. See, because what's important, more important than finding is becoming. There's a principle that we teach uh, teenagers and young adults who are looking for a spouse. It's a principle, you've probably heard it many times in your life. Is happiness is not finding the right person. It is becoming the right person. Have you ever heard that before? Happiness is not in finding the right person. It's in becoming the right person. Let me take this a little bit farther so you, you can really digest this. I mean, think about it. If you're not focused on becoming the right person, if you're, your focus is just on finding the right person, then when you find the right person, what are you going to do to that poor right person? <laughs> right? Now, don't get me wrong. Don't, don't be mistaken. I'm in no way saying that if you're not married, if you're a single adult, then you're not ready. That is not at all what I'm saying. In fact, the only thing you have to do to disprove that stupid theory is look at some of the people in this room who are married and who are not ready, right? I mean, marriage does not equal ready. A wedding does not equal ready. And we could give so many examples of that, starting with myself. But the, the idea here is that if I want to be surrounded by the right people in my life, then, then, then my focus can't be so much on trying to find the right people. My focus has got to be on becoming the right person in my heart. That I've got to become the type of person that can handle having the right people around me. I've got to become the type of person that God is ultimately leading me to be. See, the, the object of love, the point of love is not that someone else would complete you. I'm sorry, Renee Zellweger. It was a it was a touching line to Jerry Maguire, but it, but it's a lie. Like, Jerry didn't complete you. In fact, nobody outside the person of Jesus Christ can complete you. In we spend so much of our time trying, trying to focus on finding someone else who, who will complete us. And we're not looking to God to complete us. We're thinking, I, I, I'm half, I'm broken now. I, I need something else to fill where I'm broken. And anytime we look outside of our relationship with God to fill that, we're, we're really causing more and more of a problem. See, the Bible says in Genesis 2, 24... Therefore, the man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The Bible is saying here that two people will become one. What it does not say is that the halves will become whole. It doesn't say that two broken people will come together and become whole. That's not what it says. Because I found out if two half people come into a marriage, they don't become whole. They become hell. That's good preaching, Pastor Dan. That's good stuff right there. Because is our focus on becoming what God wants me to be or, or trying to find? 
this spring, my father and I went camping on a friend's property, and uh, their dog got out one of the days. And it's so funny because this dog is like crazy, where like he'll sit in my lap and I'll pet it one day, and then like I'll turn around, go walk around my truck, and it's like I surprised it, and now it wants to attack me, okay? It's crazy. It's got short-term memory loss. I don't know. But I got out one morning, and, and the dog was out there, and I startled the dog, and the dog came up behind me and bit me on the back of the leg. I have not been this mad in like two decades, right? And I turned around and I came to say, oh, I'm going to go. I'm coming after it. But the thing is, I'm not 18 anymore, so I couldn't catch the stinking dog. And I took a kick at it, and he thinks it's on. So I, I take a swing, I move back, and, and just, just right after I swing at this dog, it gets back on me. It latches on the back of my leg, and it gets me so good, I am pouring blood down my leg. I have not seen tunnel vision since I was a teenager, but I'm telling you, I wanted to get a hold of this dog. And I kept, oh, I chased that stinking thing around for so long. I was winded. I never was able to catch the stupid dog. But the rest of that day, I'm telling my dad, you watch, I'm going to get a hold of that. I'm going to catch that dog. You just watch. I'm going to catch it. And he asked me a question. And it's really a good question. And before he asked the question, I hadn't even thought about the answer to this question. But he said, Dan, yeah, he goes, what will you do if you catch that dog? That is a great question. And I actually think it's a great question that we should ask in all of our relationships of our life. If you're looking for a spouse, if you're looking for a best friend, if you're looking for another relationship in your life, what will you do when you catch that person? Because we focus so much on finding that, that sometimes we miss that the idea in a relationship is more becoming. Am I going to have the commitment and the ability to be able to have this relationship that I've been trying to catch for so long? Our focus is wrong. Are, are, are you focused on finding or are you focused on becoming? See, Jesus over and over and over again is leading us towards a life where the main focus is that we become who he wants us to be. But we go through our culture and our focus turns around to finding. Finding. I gotta, I gotta find a girl and then I gotta find a ring and then I gotta find a place to ask her to marry me and if I can find a good place for that then I, I'm gonna find the right timing for it and then I'm gonna ask her and if she says yes then I'm gonna find a place to have the wedding. We're gonna find a date where all of our friends and family can come in and then she's gotta find a dress that all of the bridesmaids will get along in and feel like this works with my skin complexion and all that and then we gotta find the location for the wedding and we've gotta find this then we gotta find a job then we gotta find a place our honeymoon, then we got to find a place for our kids to go. It's finding, do you see the pattern here? It's never ending. It's just finding, finding, finding. But remember, Jesus didn't say it's about finding. He says, remember, the two shall become. Is your focus on finding or becoming? The second area that we, we need to decide to put our focus on is the question, is our focus on then or now? Is, is my focus on then or now? See, it's, it's easy to try to focus on another time. Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. Not because you don't have the tendency to, not, not because it's not reasonable to, but because it doesn't work. You've probably heard the quote, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, it only empties today of its strength. And I, I believe that. See, we can focus so much on 
the past or we can focus so much on the future. In fact, we've taught so many different times at our church about the importance of not living your life in the past. That, that we're forgiven children of God. We need to leave the past in the past. We need to move on. There's got to be times where we offer forgiveness and move on from hurts that have happened in our past. Because if we don't, we can bring things into today that, that really are from the past that can hurt our relationships today. Because now you, you, you meet someone new and you, you, you just spend a little time with them and you find yourself asking, hey, who's texting you? <laughs> well, he never did anything, but it, it happened to you in the past. So that betrayal and that hurt, we're bringing into a relationship now that can wound the relationship now. And you got to fix that stuff. you gotta, you got to go through some forgiveness stuff and, and hand it over to God. you got, you got to move through some of that stuff so it doesn't hurt your relationships. But, but the focus on what Jesus is saying here about living in the moment is not just about the past. In fact, what he says is about the future. He's saying, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, in the same way as saying, like, don't wish away today. Because how many of us live so much of our lives in the future and to, tomorrow? Because, man, tomorrow is a sexy place to vacation in your mind, right? Because it's free of today's problems, it's free of the worries, it's free of the circumstances, and it's completely fictional. <laughs> and we, we can build the story of what tomorrow will look like in our own minds, and it, it looks so nice, but it, it's fictional. We can't live there. Where we live is today, if you're just saying, don't worry about tomorrow, but, but man, we, it's romantic to think about tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll love you tomorrow. See, we, we, we sing about it. We think about what, how amazing tomorrow is going to be. You never hear it. Today, today, it doesn't even have the same cadence. It doesn't even sound right. Today, today, I hate you today. Wish you would go away. But tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. My kids are going to graduate and get out of the house tomorrow. And I'm going to be an empty nester tomorrow. <laughs> See, it's all about focus. Are you focusing on then or are you focusing on now? Because the only way to get to tomorrow is through today. So you have to be focused on today. And then Jesus, he shifts gears because he's comforting us. He, he moves from comforting um, to, to correcting or, or, or teaching here. He says, okay, I understand what's going on in your relationships. I understand where there's a lack of trust. I'm trying to comfort you and help you understand. I, I know what's going on with you. But then he goes on and he says, okay, so do not judge. And he brings us to the next point on focus. Is your focus on what is not or what you've got? Is your focus on what is not or what you got? See, I've been building up to this point in the sermon because every one of us have some tools that we can use in our relationship. You guys see my toolbox? See how nice and shiny and clean it is? It's either because I keep it in mint condition or because I've never used it. You decide. It's always the same thing when I get a tool out around my house. The same thing. I'm, I'm carrying tools. And, um, uh, honey, what are you doing with those? Well, I just got to fix a thing. There's just a thing in here. She said, oh, w w why don't we call someone? No, I'm a man. I got this. I can fix this on my own. I'm good. She said, oh, honey, how about 
no, how about you just, here, drink this cup of coffee, go back to your study and write a sermon, and I'm going to call, I've got a friend, she's really good at fixing stuff, I'll call her out. It's like a real blow to my masculinity, right? So anyways, I called my staff and had them buy a toolbox. Um, This is for illustrative purposes only. But all of our relationships, the relationships that are important to you that that you want to grow, we, we have the use of two different tools that are so important in our relationship. And, and the first tool is the ab- ability to choose what you magnify. I have the ability in our relationship to choose what I magnify about you. So am I going to magnify the speck in you? Am I going to magnify the speck? See, what's interesting about a magnifying glass. What's interesting about this speck, because Jesus said, don't pay attention to the speck in someone else's eye. You you know what? You have to be with the person to see a speck. You gotta be close. See, (laughs) she's kissing at me. Um, (laughs) For me to see the speck in your eye, it means we gotta be close. See, if you're far away from me, um, you could have all sorts of stuff in your eye. You could have eye boogers from this morning in your eyes. I I don't even know. I can't even see it. But but when you and I, if you and I get close, then I can see some things in you that, that maybe other people can't see in you. And see, that's one of the reasons why so many of us fear intimacy is because I don't want you to see into me. Because if you see the speck in my eye, are, you, are we still going to be good? Are you still going to love me? Are you still going to care for me? I mean, like, like I... I I don't want you to see this mess of mine, but we got to be close to one another in order to be able to see this. But see, we choose what we magnify. We choose what we see in other people. I mean, isn't it funny, the things that we magnify? It's crazy what we'll do, because when you first meet someone and you start to get excited in a relationship, you magnify all the good stuff. Man, man isn't she funny? <laughs> you see how funny she is? Man, look how laid back he is. Look how laid back. You don't know, laid back is just code for lazy, but you'll know that if you marry him. (laughs) But we magnify, like, what am I choosing to magnify? And what's interesting is you, you can choose to magnify something in someone's life when you first get to know them, that later, once you've gotten close and you can see some of the other specks in their life, now you start to overlook and take for granted those very things that you loved about them that you were magnifying in their life earlier on. See, you choose what you magnify. I hear single people all the time magnifying their loneliness. I just feel so lonely. And I hear married people all the time magnifying their loneliness. I just feel so lonely. And in fact, I've even had people come to tears going, I just feel so lonely in my relationships and they're so focused on loneliness. And and the truth is, there would have been a time when they would have looked at their spouse and said, "All, all I need is you. But Now we've gotten close, and I recognize you're not my savior, and I'm starting to see things now. I'm starting to focus on things now that maybe I haven't focused on so much in the past. So to be happy in this season of life, I have to choose what I magnify. Because write this down. What you magnify, you get more of. Don't miss that. What you magnify, you get more of. I've got to decide in any 
given moment to, to magnify, to focus on the good things in a relationship. Because if you focus on the bad, if you focus on what you've lost, then that, that focus is going to make what you've lost look bigger and bigger and bigger. To all. In your mind, finally, all you're going to be able to do is live in what you've lost. If you focus on the pain, then, then all of a sudden, it's like every day I look at that pain again, and I, I keep focusing on the pain, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger to where I can't see anything else, and I live in pain now. And, and the danger of this is you can have a relationship with someone where for thousands of times in your life, they poured into you, and they've encouraged you, and they were there, and they were a shoulder to cry on, but then they send you that one text message that hurts so much, or they make that comment, they hurt your feelings, they don't treat you the way you want to be treated one day, and you focus on that, and that can look so big that you forget about all the thousands of other things in the relationship that you just... You put it aside. Why? Because what, what am I focusing on? What am I focusing on? Man, I think we need to do a little more spec searching when we're dating, right? Because we got to look. This is when you're dating is when you got to look into someone and see what specs are in there, right? <laughs> All the married people say amen to that. You want to know what specs they've got in there because you're like, uh, do you have any money? You're like, wait, wait. Isn't it about loving Jesus? Well, yeah, he loves Jesus, but do you have grocery money? <laughs> you need to know these things, right? It's real important questions to ask when we're dating, but then what about when you're already in a committed relationship? When you're married now, we use the magnifying glass in a different way. We use the magnifying glass to, to magnify the good. Because what you magnify, you get more of. So, if I magnify the good in you, if I stop looking at all the bad things in you, I start paying attention to what, what we do have in our relationship, how good you are. Man, Amelie is good at this with me. She, she will say things and do things sometimes that will just puff me up. Man, do you realize you can make your husband so much tougher and so much stronger and so much bigger by magnifying the right things? I, I walking in with the groceries. I can remember coming in the house with the groceries, and, and I'm carrying bags. i got them up both arms here, and I has got a couple bags in her hands. She goes, wow, how do you do that? <laughs> That's right, baby. It's easy for me. It's easy for me. You know, it's the next trip out. I got it in my teeth. I'm hanging around. I got it hooked on my belt. I'm like, look at this, baby. You just sit down and watch your man work right now. Yeah. Yeah. Touch me on the bicep. Man, you're feeling strong. It's right, baby. I got to go to the gym. <laughs> because what she magnifies, she gets so much more of out of me. You tell me I look weak, uh, I ain't going to the gym. You, you, you tell me I look strong, then I, I need to go work on that. And see, she's done it in ways that actually matter in my life. I can remember the times I've come home at the end of a very stressful business day and, and at the end of a stressful business day where I feel like, man, I had too many conflicts today. There was this problem, that problem. I don't know if I handled that situation right or this situation right. I sit on the couch and my kids are wanting my attention. They want to play with me. And now I'm feeling like I'm pulled between. I don't know how to be a good dad and, and, a, and a good boss, a good pastor all at the same time. I'm just like struggling with all this. And then, and then Omni will look at me and say, Dan, you're a great father. And what that does, she, she takes the little and she magnifies and it becomes bigger. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to drop what I'm doing right now because I need to go invest into more time with my daughters. They, they need a little bit of the time with their father right now. So it's like what you magnify in someone, you get so much more of. See, I wonder, what are you magnifying in your spouse's life? What are you magnifying in your kid's life? 
Are you bringing out the best of them? Are you trying to make the good grow in them? Or are you just pointing out all the little things? Because good or bad, this principle works. If you magnify the bad things, it's going to feel like you're living in bad. Like in your mind, the bad will get so big to where it can be all you see. Or you can magnify the good things and watch them grow more and more. What is your focus on? So Jesus says this. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? See, it's interesting to me because I'm not much of a carpenter, but, I, but I, what I can recognize from this passage is both the speck and the plank are made out of the same material. Because a lot of times what I see in you that's offensive to me that I want to fix in you, the only reason it pops out to me is because it's reflected in my own life. And what I see in you that bothers you, it bothers me because I know it's in me. And a lot of times we spend our time focusing on what's going on in someone else's life when in turn, God gives us another tool. And it brings us to the next question, the next decision of focus is, am I going to focus on theirs or mine. So there becomes a point where we need to put the, the magnifying glass down and we need to pick up the mirror. Because the Bible says here in Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, Jesus is talking about what's most important. He says, love the Lord your God with your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. So he's saying, what's most important? You got to love God and you got to love people. So to be successful in our relationships, we've got to ask our question on this decision to focus. Am I focusing on their problems or, or am I focusing on what God wants to change in me? And this is when we stop trying to worry about the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye, but we go, God, what plank is in my eye? Is there something in me that you want to fix in me? Is, is, is there some attitude in me that needs to be changed in me? Because God, I know I, I can never be successful in my relationships on an outward level if I'm not letting you change me on the inside. So, in the words of the king of the pop, if you want to make the world a better place, where do you start? Got to start with the man in the mirror. Would you stand with me? running out of time today, but we're going to continue this next week. The really, the idea and the theme that I see come out of this where Jesus is talking about our focus is he brings it to this big conclusion and he's saying, guys, listen, you got to stop focusing on trying to fix them. We got to start focusing on me now. God, I, I've tried to change her and she won't change. I've, tr I've tried to get Charlie to see things the way I see them and, and he won't. So God, what is it you want to change in me? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? God, it's our prayer right now that this wouldn't just be a, another service where we come in, hear a message and leave, but this is a moment right now where we recognize we can ask you, is there a plank in my eye? Is there something you want to change in me? Because God, we admit it right now. We come before you right now. We, we say on our own power, our own strength, we don't have the ability to make our relationships any better. What we need is your help to fix us. So God, forgive us for trying to change our spouse. Forgive us for trying to change our parents, our children, our boss. 
And right now, what we pray you would do is you would speak to us, Holy Spirit, and give us conviction on what it is that you want to start changing in us right now. And God, over this next week, as we continue in this series, as we leave here today, we, we give you permission to start doing the work of taking the plank out of our own eyes. We love you so much, and we're so thankful for you, God. Thank you that you teach us, and you don't just leave us alone to ourselves. So please be with us today, and it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Love you guys. Bring a friend, and we will continue this series next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.